Welcome to the TKW Podcast. I am Matt Spendley, and I'm joined tonight by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, buddy? And Anthony Corpo. Hello, everybody. What's up, guys? So, before we get into the Knicks tonight, I just wanted to let everybody know that this is going to be my last podcast here at at the Knicks Wall. Uh, Yeah, got a social media job with SNY that I'm starting on Monday, so... I wanted to, first of all, thank all of you for listening along when I've been hosting the pod for the last, my God, it feels like almost a year now. Uh, It's been a blast. It's been probably the most fun thing I've done at the Knicks Wall out of all the different hats I've worn is doing the podcast with Kyle and Corbo and all of the great guests we've had over the last few months. It's been an absolute blast. So thank all of you for making that possible. I want to thank Kyle and Anthony specifically for being such great co-hosts, helping out with all of the the production that we need to do and to all of the Knicks wall staff, to everyone that's, that's helped out, that's propped everyone up. That's made this such a fun ride. Um, thanks again. You guys will certainly still see me around. Follow me on Twitter. I'll still be around, but from here on out, this is my last episode. So what do you say, fellas? Let's make it a good one. I'm choking up. I am like, I'm that, very that, sad. Was, that was the last hello folks we're going to get. It yep. hurt to say it hurt to say. And we're going to pretend like we didn't mess up the first recording. So that was actually yeah. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's sad. It's really sad to see you go, though. But we're stoked for you. Thank you very much. And, and like I said, I just want to thank you guys again because it's been a blast ever since I took it over. I think one of the first like, like big podcasts I did was uh, when KP got hurt and Kyle and I did like an emergency podcast. Yep. And I don't think I was planning on podcasting that night because I'm pretty sure I was pretty drunk if i remember that correctly <laughs> and then kyle was like you want to record a pod and i was like yes please i'm sad so <laughs> let me uh let's record and talk about kp's injury but that's neither here nor there so the show goes on though the tkw podcast will continue on without matt spendley so don't unsubscribe yet it's like the end of an avengers movie right where it says black panther will return mm-hmm. the tkw mm-hmm. podcast is coming back bigger better than ever yeah uh, on monday has yeah exactly has plenty to offer um so i'm excited and i will certainly be an avid listener once i depart and the guest you'll be back i will certainly be back yeah you guys this is not the last time you heard my voice i know some of you out there are probably like oh my god get this guy off the air but (laughs) for those people you're out of luck motherfucker yeah all right trust me they'll be missing you once i start hosting these things (laughs) if they could only see your face your your hair and beard (laughs) just really on point like it's it's at a peak level right now. Oh, don't call it a comeback. Oh. All right, let's talk about the Knicks. So the Knicks played the Philadelphia 76ers tonight and got absolutely smacked from the get-go. The first quarter, they were down 41-27. to Joel Embiid just absolutely ate up Cantor and Vonley inside. Vonley had four fouls early on. Cantor had three fouls. It was a tough game from start to finish. The Sixers are an incredibly good team, and it almost feels like the Knicks that won that on the three-game running streak was mostly a mirage and that they are actually bad. Yeah, they're not a good team. I think we knew that. Thank God, though. I think we knew that. It was just when you see it four games in a row, yes, four, not the three that they won. They played Portland really, really well. Um, It's It makes you think that it's it's the flash. It makes you think that there there could be something more to this team, but uh, there just there simply isn't. You know, there's going to be games like you know little stretches like that, games like that. But I mean, in reality, this team just doesn't have enough talent, and especially mm-hmm. not the talent to put forth a consistent effort, being how young most of them are. So uh, it's just it is what it is. And they're also again young team, but they're also on the second night of a back to back here. So yes, uh, both both of them were road games. So it's. Yeah. Did you um, did you guys start thinking for a moment that maybe just maybe the Knicks were going to get themselves out of a lottery position this this season? No, nope. No. Okay, no. good. So 
where I almost talked myself into, and I was uh, I was talking to Ryan Mead and uh, and Greg Kaplan from Blue Shirts Breakaway before, and they were like, "So are you guys? De- I, do you think you guys are destined to just you know draft eight again like we are?" And I almost said yeah, but I was like, I'm still feeling like this team is going to be bad enough to at least get a top five pick. I think um, if you go back and listen when we recorded on Sunday. I'm pretty sure I said they'll still be a bottom five team, which yeah. they obviously will be. They're not going to yeah. be as bad as Cleveland or Chicago or Atlanta or Phoenix. They, they could pass one of those teams, but like I think they're pretty clearly that fifth team. Because then you got like the Dallas's and the Sacramento's when they fall back. It, it, them finishing fourth or fifth seems like the most realistic option. And it always was, even if they won three games yeah. in a row. And now we've seen over the last two games, this is just, it's just not a good team. And we never thought it was going to be a good team. And any delusions about that should have been quickly squashed. And if they weren't squashed in your brain, they were after tonight. That's for darn sure. But it's still, there's still so much to feel good about with this team, which is kind of the big difference from other like tanking sure. teams we had. That's, I mean, even if we end up with, you know, nearly, no, well, not nearly because that was catastrophic, but somewhere close to the record we had in 2014 15. Uh, I mean, I they, know. We're not going to, we're not going to lose seven. We're not going to win 17 games, but you know, it's like, even if we end up somewhere in the mid twenties or something like that, it's, it's just like, this team is already going to be so much more fun and what more watchable than that last team. So absolutely. I do realize though, in the early running that I miss Michael Beasley. Oh my God. What is wrong with you? I just, I mean, his is just no Beasley. Uh, Mario has had 17 points tonight, Corbo. All right. Put some respect on that name. Just saying About he's not time. as fun. <laughs> he had moments where I was like, this is the Hazonia they signed. This, But, all right, I don't want to start off with the positives because tonight was terrible. So let's start yeah. off with the negatives because, okay. so Frankie Lakina basically non-existent once again, did not score. He plays aiming minutes. a shot. Yeah, he played eight minutes up until garbage time. And Trey Burke has been missing everything in sight. And he was given the leash when the game was still basically within reach, not necessarily within reach, but the, it was still a basketball game that was being played and not a farce like it was at the end. Trey Burke was given this leash. Tim Hardaway has just been mostly awful from the floor for the last, I don't know, week, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's probably shooting about 30%, 35% from the floor over the last week. I, I can't add the numbers up right off my head this quickly, but I think the Frank stuff has been hard to swallow recently. Very but, much so. You know, I saw our our very own Tyler Marco tweeted out, and it's always important to remember this. Frankie Lucchini is younger than DeAndre Ayton. He was the youngest person in the draft class last year. I think he was the youngest. If he wasn't the youngest, he was certainly close to it. Patience is very difficult, and we've also seen this happen with Kevin Knox, who I already feel like people are turning on in his 14th, whatever it is, NBA game. It's I get that we want results now, but these guys are so young. We cannot just simply give up on them because they have some bad games. If you want to criticize them for their faults, that's fine. We can have a discussion about it. But not all of these rookies are going to jump off to hot starts. It takes these guys a while to get going. So, Kyle, specifically about Frank, because we can get into Knox in a little bit. What, what do you think about his performance recently? He's thinking it up. I mean, he's he's either stinking it up or he's just not involved in any of the um, offensive actions. So, I mean, there's no and I spoke about this, I think it was last week or the week before that, you know, even for you and I and a lot of us out there um, who are big Frank fans, you know, it's it's time to put up or shut up a little bit. And I understand, like, I think last night in Detroit, he really wasn't involved at all in the offensive flow. Like he just was not getting the ball, but there, there's other games when we have seen him, you know, with the ball or had the opportunities and he just doesn't come through more often than not. So, I mean, it's, it's sad when we're celebrating him taking a wide open three, like I saw mm-hmm. somebody celebrating like, ah, letting it rip from, uh, he's finally letting it rip from three. And, uh, well, what a beautiful sight, a rare sight. It's like, that shouldn't be a thing. He just still has so, no confidence to it. Like even when he does shoot from three, he's aim, you know he's he's taking so long to aim a shot and make sure everything's perfect that you know he wastes so much time getting it up. It's 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 still frustrating to see even when he's open from three. I, I love the kid. I believe in the kid. I, I think I do wherever, too. wherever he ends up, whether it's here or not here, and I'll touch on that in a second. But um, 
here and not here, if it's a point guard or a small forward is where he ultimately ends up. I, I don't really care. I just want to see him do well. I, I truly believe he's going to for the rest mm-hmm. of his NBA career. Um, but you have to do something on the floor. You have to do something on the, like on the offensive side of the ball, something like just anything. He's not doing anything. It's like four on five when he's out there right now. Matt, you said he only played eight minutes tonight. He played eight, and then he played six Nine. front, like end of garbage time minutes. Like in the fourth quarter, he yeah. I think he finished the game. We were kind of doing some other stuff at the end of the game and weren't exactly watching intently in the last six minutes, but he got nothing. And over the last four games, he's played 14 minutes, 15 minutes, 13 minutes, and 14 minutes. After the previous three so, before that, he had 22, 28, and 27. So that's four games in a row under 15 minutes, 15 minutes or less. That's the hard part, I think, to swallow. I get that he hasn't been playing well, but it's not like Trey Burke has been playing well, has been earning these minutes recently that he's getting. Well, like, listen, I don't really care about Trey Burke's development. And obviously, okay, here's what I'm going to say. I And it's not just Frank, it's with other players, and even Clyde was talking about it tonight. I almost feel like, you know, Fizdale's got a bit of an, aver- of, uh, an aversion to the G League. I think if anyone should go down to the G League right now, it's got to be Frank. It's like, you know, he's only in his second year. Frank isn't some veteran that's immune to going to the G League. He's not getting playing time anymore. You know, he's getting less than 15 minutes a game most nights, you know, lately. And, like, he's clearly getting surpassed in the rotation. And then once Courtney Lee comes back, you know, he's probably going to take a lot of Frank's minutes. He's doing a lot of the same things that Lee gets praised for, especially if they want to trade Lee. It's kind of all looking like perfect timing that, you, know, you can send this guy down, he can get some run, he can kind of prove that he can, you know, be an elite defender down there and still be able to, you know, bring some kind of offensive game to the table. Because if it's not going to work out down there, you know, if he's not going to learn things down there, I don't know how he's going to be able to grasp things, you know, at the NBA level. And I think Turn the same up. thing goes for Robinson. I think, the sa- you know, you could say the same for Knox, even though he had an okay game tonight. Yep. No, I mean, it's sort of the same thing that happened with Tim Hardaway. I mean, yeah. absolutely. It, this, this would be an... Uh, a very accelerated version of what happened with Tim Hardaway, but that's the same kind of thing was, I mean, opposite, obviously Tim Hardaway was just a like spot up three point shooting chucker those first couple of years. And now he has a much more well-rounded game, but you know, Frank is on the defensive side, obviously, but um, the point still stands. I mean, sometimes these guys need it. Sometimes it helps them. The G league, uh, the stigma has gone down with it, with it being so free flowing and accessible and, and easy to utilize. So, that's good, but there is still some sort of a, for some guys, there's that like demotion thing that you got to worry about the way they might feel. So um, I do well, like, this is one of those things that I worry about. And I said this um, just for the uh, his, his minutes, you know, about whether he's going to play more or less. Um, basically, what kind of confidence like does he have? Like is, is going to be, letting him play a little bit too much and play poorly going to affect his confidence or would the demotion affect his confidence? Like I think we don't really know. Yeah. But I think, you know what you're seeing him play poorly right now and you're seeing his, you know, his minutes getting removed and you see it's not doing him any better, you know, like no matter what he's done so far, whether it be getting extended leash last year, whether it's been, you know, running this year, he just hasn't promised other than in flashes. And it's like, I don't know. Why not take him out of the spotlight for a little bit? Why not, you know, let him play with where he's not going to have as many eyes on him. And he can kind of, you know, take the time to figure these things out. He's, you know, he's a young player. If you're in the league, like, you know, under, you know, with your G league eligibility, when you're like, you know, two years into the league, you don't get that kind of say to say, like you have a reputation and you don't want to go down there or anything like that. Like Frank, like Frank's not the kind of player to make those kind of demands. He has not lived up to it. Kevin Knox is, you know, like we said, 14, 15 games into his NBA career at this point. If he needs to go play in the G League, that's fine. And Mitchell Robinson hasn't been able to stay on the floor either. And, you know, he also doesn't have that kind of command where he can't go play in the G League or anything like that. This is a legitimate option that I think they should be utilizing, and it's on the coach to be able to make that call. I think you're absolutely right. And I also think there's a direct correlation at this point in 2018 among NBA fans that the more they understand the league and the smarter they are as fans, they respect the G League more. And I think we can see... Obviously, we interact with the majority of our fans feel that way. But you always have some of those people that you'll see on the outskirts that are complaining. You know, if Frank went to the G League, I can imagine the jokes that would fire off. I mean, you guys remember who revived his career by going to the G League for the next just a couple years ago or even last year, right? Right. 
Joe Kim Noah. People forget this. Yeah, but uh, Noah, but like the circumstances are so different. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know you're Joe. kidding. I know you're kidding, but it's annoying because there are people who, who would say that and not be kidding. They would say that. Uh, like not making a joke about it. Yes. But all three of those guys should be options to go back to the G League. I think you're absolutely right. Give them an opportunity to to play in some meaningful basketball that they don't feel like they have the pressure on them. I think even if it wasn't going to be something they did, I think Fisdale just ruling it out completely is a problem in my eyes. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what Clyde was saying too. Like, you know, you see guys going down for one game or two games at a time or something like that. Like there, there's no reason why they can't send it down and pull them up. I don't think it's the best idea, but it's no reason why they can't do it. Like they're there. I don't know. It just seems like they're not making use of this tool. I, I would like to go back and look at, cause I'm just thinking of it now, how often Fizdale utilized or does Memphis ha- did Memphis have a G league affiliate when Fizdale was there? I think so. There's only like two or three teams that don't. I think the Pelicans are one team that doesn't have an affiliate anymore. But I, I, think I know now, but I don't remember if that was if he coached there. It might have been like the first year of it being rebranded G League that he was still coaching there. So that's like, I, you know, it's definitely even in even in the most of recent of years that like the G League stigma has kind of gone by the wayside. But I would like to see if he utilized the, you know, the D League G League system when he was a head coach in Memphis as well, because that would be pretty telling. Memphis Hustle from 2017 mm. to present. They were founded in January 23rd, 2017. But it looks like the Iowa Energy had a hybrid affiliation deal with the okay. Grizzlies. So that's probably okay. something you could find. So we'll look that up. Okay. I was just um, going to say, too, about the G League that the Knicks yeah. have a really, really good uh, coaching staff and training staff there, too. Yeah. Like Miller's so, fantastic. Yeah. Like, like it's actually like. I know we joke around about player development at the NBA level for the next oftentimes for this last however many years, but um, for all the faults that the actual big league Knicks have had, the Westchester Knicks have had none of those issues and actually run really well, and it's worked out to our benefit with guys like Langston Galloway. Um, Even Dotson, uh, Trey, Dotson, Trey Burke, so yep. they just wanted Luke, to make that Luke pretty Cornette, clear. too, was another guy they had around and was playing the G League and then had got an NBA deal this year, even if he hasn't done anything this year, but well, now he's playing extended minutes down there. So I would, I would like to see if maybe, you know, towards the end of the year after it's been well established that we're not going to win any games this season. You know, I'd like to see him come back and and give him some run with the team and see what would happen, you know? Yeah. And he did last year. They had Xavier Rathan Mays who ended up getting an NBA deal and Nigel Hayes who also got an NBA deal. So they have a great development system there. It's obviously a different animal when you're sending an NBA player there. But it's something they should consider. And but not when you're so young in the happen. league. You know, it's it's. I know call ups are always going to be appreciated more than sending someone down and then benefiting from it. But like, it's just when you're. Well, I mean, I'm just rehashing the same points. But when you're this this young, you got to be able to accept that. Yep. No, you're right. All right. Well, we'll see. If it's if it's something they peruse. I want to talk about Kevin Knox real quick because I don't think I said this on Sunday because Kyle and I mostly spent our time talking about some other things that weren't Knox centric, but. I think that he suffers from the Gary Sanchez syndrome, the idea that, oh, it doesn't always look like he's playing really hard, so that means he isn't playing really hard. And Gary Sanchez is a much, much, much better player in his league than Kevin Knox is in this league. So, But I think that he struggles from that idea that he plays his game a certain way. His motor was a problem in college. There's no denying that, and it's been a problem in the NBA. But... I think that people are quick to criticize because the style of his game, he's not always falls to the wall. He often can kind of drift sometimes, but when he drives, you know, he's working hard. He's, I think he had four or five rebounds tonight, or he had seven rebounds, actually, excuse me. I think that he suffers from that syndrome where people are just like, oh, it doesn't always look like he's playing really hard. So that means he must not be. He can certainly get lethargic, but I worry that that's going to be a concern. And you can already see it from people getting frustrated into his NBA career so early do you guys buy that? What do you think? Is uh, is Gary Sanchez syndrome a symptom of uh, Lou Gehrig's disease? I mean, I sure hope not, because Gary Sanchez is my favorite New York Yankee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, actually, I think that you're absolutely right in saying that Knox is the kind of player who works with a uh, you know, with a bit of a motor to him. Like he definitely has just days where he's like, you know, he gets a little bit shook and he just doesn't look like he's going to be showing up. But then he just like. He makes a couple of nice plays and it could kind of get him going a little bit, but he's just, he just seems, he seems to be suffering from a similar thing that Frank is going through where he's just hesitant. And that's why I kind of think some time away from the spotlight would be good for him too. 
but like but he he has shown at least to be able to really still be able to find scoring and he has a nice shooting touch and i mean he he can score when he needs to it's just about how well he was doing earlier in the game and whether or not he's able to turn that on i wonder how much of it is he needs more coaching and i'm being serious because a lot of yeah. things we've seen him when he's had his best games i feel like it's because they're kind of funneling the offense through him and he's running a very specific set or a very specific action um Normally, those games are when they get him really rolling to the rim or a little bit of the dribble handoffs to get him going with like those uh, mid-range jumpers. And I just wonder how much of it is if he doesn't have a role, like a central role in the offense, does he just not know what to do? You know, like how much guidance does he need maybe? And it's not really an indictment. I'm not trying to like make fun of him or anything like that. I just wonder how much of it is he's young and just needs like a little bit more coaching on that aspect. It's important that we mention, too, his ankle injury, which multiple people have come out and said that it looks like he might still be suffering from that, that he might have come back too soon from the ankle injury because that looked like an absolutely brutal injury. And he came back in about three weeks. Yeah, I, thought I thought his season was over. It was tough. And I think I've seen multiple people on Twitter, and I think there was maybe even a piece written about it by one of the one of the media guys. But I think that that's something we need to consider when we're watching him. And maybe he could benefit from having a week off to rest because you can tell out there, he just doesn't always look comfortable, even on the drives. A lot of the things, his spot-up shooting, which I've been a large proponent of from day one, hasn't been there. He's shooting 32% from the floor for the year, which is just a grotesque percentage. Whether it's sending him to the G League for a game or two or even giving him time off and just saying that his ankle's sore, and give him some time to to rest that ankle and get more time on the bench and really mentally clear his head. I think it could be really beneficial for him. I agree. I think they got to change it up a little bit. I mean, they gave they initially gave him kind of a long leash. I, I thought he was inefficient, but he was mostly playing pretty well. Um, given the context, he was working his way back from injury, his first couple games and everything, but he just hasn't. He hasn't looked right. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. if, if it wouldn't hurt to give him rest. He's already missed games this year. You might as well just be careful with him. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what else you should really do. You've you played him low minutes and he struggled. you played him bigger minutes and he struggled. Might be time. Got to do something at this point, right? I, I, Whether it's talking to the kid or, or having him sit. You got you got to make some sort of strides here. But again, I'm trying not early. to harp on the G League point, man. I'm really trying not to harp on it, but it just seems like it's at least worth a shot. It's just not going to happen. If Fizdale said it, he said it's not going to happen. It would be kind of crazy for him to come out in the near future and say, oh, yeah, I actually know we're going to do this. I know. It's, it's just frustrating. And then sit him. I, I don't see what the point, you know, work him in practice. then if that's essentially what you're considering it, you know, like uh, I, don't know. I it, 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 it just blows my mind. I want to believe the ankles, the issue right now, and that if he had some time to potentially get healthy, he'd be much better. But I think it but, is for sure, but it just might also be, you know, coming off the ankle. Like, he might not be 100% now, but even if he is, he's just going to be trying to rush himself back into, you know, top-tier rookie shape from the beginning, you know, which he never was from the start, start of this year, you know. But he's just going to try to go too fast from right from when he gets back in here, and that's not going to be... It's going to be bad news on that ankle. He's not going to look good out there. It's just... Might as well sit him or give him some some, you know, low uh, low energy minutes, I guess, or something like that. I don't know. For sure. All right, let's sit on some other brief game notes. I think since Cantor's re-entered the starting lineup, he's actually been quite good. I haven't noticed him on any major defensive mishaps. Obviously, he's not a net positive on that end, but I think he's been mostly pretty good. Uh, it was nice to see his own year perk up tonight. Seven of fifteen for seventeen points, hit five rebounds. Was it he nice had for you? Uh, no, it wasn't nice for me, but you know, I, I'm just saying I, for everyone else, it must've been nice. Cause I just have a blind hatred towards him. I tweeted out, get his out of my face. And he scored eight straight points. As soon as I tweeted that, like, it was like that. You hate to see it. Uh, you really do. You really hate to see it. I wish I we just would have done like a Kyle on Kyle type segment, uh, about you and Mario Hazonia while we had the chance this year, Matt and Mario fucking hell. We have the shot. <laughs> uh, beyond that, I think we've seen. Emmanuel Moutier come back to earth a bit over the last couple of games. Uh, Trey Burke has just been absolutely brutal since the Boston explosion. My feelings on Trey <laughs> Burke at this point are well known. Uh, so much for this, you know, 
really, um, you know, once again, well-established point guard rotation we had at the beginning of the year. I know. It was always going to be a thing all year. It was always going to be. They're going to have freaking, they're going to have Trier running the point soon. I mean, I could imagine worse things. You're going to put Iso Zoe at the point. I said this in our Slack channel, because when Trier had his 24-10-7 against Detroit, the last Nick to, to have a 24-10-7 was Michael Beasley. Your boy, Corbo. I know, I know. Which I just, really I just, for a Trier just like, I don't know, he just looks like he can't pass unless he's in, in, in uh, transition. No, because, that's the time he doesn't pass. I have not seen him throw a pass in transition all season long. He always like, goes for the finish. Every, I mean, like, yeah, well, also, yes, there's there's been a lot of times like that. There was a wide open Frank Nielakina in the corner earlier in the game tonight where he just was not looking to pass at all. But also, like, you know, it, it's again, it's, it just goes back to his isolation play where he'll get himself to a bad matchup and then try to pivot out of it and then, you know, end up telegraphing his pass. And then, you know, it, it happened tonight where it just, you know, someone steals it away and goes on a fast break after that. And You're not as high on Trier? It doesn't sound like you are. I don't know if we've really I am high. I am high on Trier. I'm just trying to be, like, realistic about what he'll look like moving forward for us. That's fair. That's I, think fair. He'll I, think be a, I think he'll be a steady scorer. I think he'll be a good off-the-bench scorer. I think he'll be able to play this role for a while. But he'll, I look just, like, he'll look I like want... the greatest undrafted player of all time. <laughs> Aha! Now we're talking. Now we're spewing straight facts. I just want to know what Alonzo Trier looks like on a good team. I am curious with that about almost every single Nick. All right, here's a question that I'm going to ask you guys right now. How many Knicks on this team do you think could be like the sixth or seventh man, you know, a bench guy on a really good team? I'm looking at the roster. I think currently right now, I mean, not in, you know, Kevin Knox or Frank Nelly King. You could say in three years, maybe they could. Right now on this roster, how many Knicks do you look at them and say, I could see that guy playing on the Warriors and being a good player for that team and helping them out? I think I there might only be one. Tim Hardaway. I think that's pretty much the only one that we're I going with, right? I wouldn't even say him. And really? know that I'm really high. I've openly wondered about how useful he could be on a really good NBA team just because of the style of his play. And I, he's one guy I'm incredibly curious to see if he ends up sticking around when KP comes back, how he looks next to KP yeah. with potentially another star. But not him, no. I would maybe say uh, Damian Dotson. Yes. All right. Maybe there's two. Dotson Lee. Vonley, I think Dotson is a, is a pretty clear Vonley. It, it's it, I think it's Dotson and Vonley. I think everyone. Oh, I don't think it's Vonley. Why not? I I am just nervous about how, you know, if he if he's going to be that good on a team that good that you have to start planning for him, I just feel like he'll be easy to shut down. And, and in fairness, in fairness, I know you're, you're going to disagree, but Cantor as well. We've seen him play on a really good team with the Thunder That's in fair. a role that actually he could have a role. He he just needs a role, but he he played like a really integral sixth man for a really, really good Thunder team. So that's fair. I, I think that's those are the only ones that you could even argue about. Yeah, just Vonley, his defensive energy is just good, and I know that Embiid kind of ate him up inside, but he did have a couple nice contests. I thought Robinson also had a couple nice little moments on Embiid. You can only do so much. Embiid is is an absolute. Menace. I hope he stays healthy. Like he's playing. Oh my god, I, he's playing. He all, looks great. Any sort of minutes restrictions he's had in the past are completely out the window. He's playing thirty-five yeah. minutes a game. He's putting up twenty-eight and thirteen every night. He's a joy to watch. I think there was a time last year when I thought that Ben Simmons. I was like, I could see Ben Simmons being the better player of the two. I, I don't think there's any reality in which that's the case. Is he your MVP so far? I think he's top three. Yeah. I'd I think say top three. Definitely I mean, I think up there. Giannis is probably the odds-on favorite right now. I still think I don't think Kawhi's getting enough love there either. I, I, I Kawhi not, was kind of my I dark horse pick before the season. I think he's been fantastic. You think Kawhi gets uh, his defense all the way back together in a pair of New Balances? I mean, I had a pair of New Balances when I was in high school, and they no, ripped you? up in about a year. So I mean, I don't know. It's gonna be tough to say. Our own Aaron Summers uh, tweet, tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the tweet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that he, this Kawhi shit is the most Kawhi shit ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure New Balance shoes, and he was like, "Man, if I got cooked up in these, I'd probably just retire." <laughs> I saw this GIF of uh, New Balance fans celebrating after the Kawhi signing, and there was just a bunch of like 
old ass people dancing with walkers. Was and... it the guy from the Atlanta Falcons gift that was doing the uh, the Millie Rock? Was it that guy? I don't even know. <laughs> I, know I, I, I just laughed and scrolled past. They also had a picture of um, remember that lady from Oakland who called um, the cops on that black family oh, who was just course. having a oh, yeah, who yeah. Yeah, they they had a picture of her, and then the caption was, uh, "Yeah, when? Oh, yes, when did the new Kawhi's drop?" <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. That is absolutely perfect. Um, all right, let, let's talk. I want to talk just narratively here about the Knicks because when there's a game like this, we've had plenty of contests this season where there's not a tone we can take away because of how the game was just a blowout early on. Um, as a side note, before we get into it, I, it was good to see Dotson out there again. He had 16 points on 6-11 shooting. Again, some of it comes in garbage time, but he had 17 last, points last against Detroit. It, yeah. It's painfully obvious that he should never have been racking up DNPs. He, he just he comes in and does the same. We said this like a month yeah. ago. He comes in and just does the exact same shit every game. Yeah. He had, what, like a three-game stretch earlier where he kind of slowed down a bit, but that's going to happen with the type of player he is because he's not demanding touches. So if the flow of the game isn't necessarily in his favor... He's also in his second year too. Like it's the yeah. same same thing with uh, with Frank or any of these other guys we're talking about in this group. You know, yeah. he can he can have bad stretches. They'll be okay. Actually, I'm gonna switch gears and let's talk about something because I'm I'm remembering with the Sixers, with Markel Fultz, basically being done. Uh, there's been some Knicks fans that have been clamoring for a potential trade to get Fultz to the Knicks. I have a couple thoughts and then I'll hand it off to you guys. I don't think Fultz in New York makes any sense. For a variety of reasons. Number one is that the Knicks already have all these young ball handlers that they want to give the ball to. And I think the only guy that would be prioritized over Fultz should be Frank. But they still have these guys on the roster. And I worry that with the Burks and the Moutiers and even the Triers like taking some touches away, I feel like that would just be a mess. I feel like Fultz in New York with all of the, the attention would just be a mess. I don't think people outside the Knicks care about the Knicks, but it's still... It's still the type of place where you have a ton of media members that are writing about you. And number three, and then I'll hand it off to, to either of you guys, but I don't think the Knicks have the type of deal that makes any sense because some people have been throwing out, oh, that's, they'll just trade Courtney Lee for Fultz. Philly's not doing that deal. Why would they do that deal? Why would they do that to get Courtney Lee on this roster? They would need more. And do you want the Knicks to give up draft pitch for Markel Fultz at this stage in the game? I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing that. Maybe a second-round pick because they do have – one or two extras floating around there that they could potentially deal. But the Sixers are not accepting Courtney Lee straight up for Markel Fultz simply because there have to be better offers that teams are going to throw out there from around the NBA. I think that I need to be honest about Courtney Lee also hasn't played all year. The Sixers aren't going to be saying, oh, yeah, let's just do this Courtney Lee for Markel Fultz deal and call it a day. Like, let's just wash our hands of this thing and get Courtney Lee on this roster. We know what Courtney Lee is. He's a fine player. He's a fine three-point shooter. He's a fine defender. He's not making a difference on your team. He's not the difference between the Sixers going to the Eastern Conference Finals and winning the Finals. So I, I just don't think he's someone that they're going to be dying to have on their roster. But I don't know. We, what do you guys think about this Fultz thing? So um, not exactly my favorite source to go to, but uh, Bill Simmons was saying today on his pod that he was being that he I'm was in listening. favor of this for the record. Yeah, well, you bring I mean, like they Bill were Simmons, not what you're about to say. You bring up Bill Simmons because I know Kyle is not. I am just want to make that clear. OK, uh, <laughs> they were talking about Fultz's potential value. And obviously anything he's going to say about Fultz is going to be slightly skewed and everything like that. But he did make a good point where it's just like Fultz's contract is not anything to, uh, you know, to look at blindly hmm. where, you know, he's got. You know, he's he's got he's making like nine million next year, and then he's got he's got the uh, team options after that for even more. Like he's, I know he's a rookie, but he's got real money coming his way. He's got first round, he's got first overall pick coming his way. So it's like, I don't know when you start looking into that, like how many teams are actually going to be around who are going to want to take in that kind of money. And like he said that there were that he had heard people talking and saying that they might have to attach a pick to get rid of Fultz. I think that's ludicrous, but. um but you do. It does make you wonder how many people would seriously, or how many teams would seriously get into consideration for him, given not only the you know what they would have to give up, but the actual financial price tag of Folds. I think it, yeah, I think it's tough to call um, what a good deal would look like for Fultz. Um I think it depends who you ask. From what I've seen, people on Twitter still highly value Fultz and say, well, 
the potential of a first round pick. Like we saw where he was in college. You know, we think we could fix him. You know, maybe there's that part of Fultz is dead. He can still be a fine player to say that whatever he was in college is, but you're holding on to it, it's gone. It shouldn't be, but it's do we think, do we think all 30 teams are thinking, yeah, it's dead. Or no, do we think no. there's one or two going, I would take a chance on our guys can fix them. Our coaching staff could fix them. No I, there's, no, there's always guys like that. So I wonder what those guys would be willing to give up because I don't know what a, a good realistic trade for Fultz, uh, for Fultz would look like. As for the Courtney Lee stuff, uh, I think it's also ludicrous. The only like dream scenario you can hope to get is if Philly's like really streaking, but maybe they struggle against some of the better teams. They still need to, you know, shoot better from deep. Didn't have enough shooters. Remember when uh, the Cavs? I want to say panic traded, but they traded for Mozgov and traded two firsts. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be one of those situations where Philly just goes, you know what? We really think we need this shooting, and we're willing to just a guy we're willing to move up for. Like it would take like a like a scenario like that because it has happened, but I also don't, I don't think they're going to do it. I, just I, don't I think it. if they were going after somebody and they said like, um, and you know, they, they were just like, we all, you know, they wanted to trade for, I don't know, a solid expiring contract. Like I think basically the only player that could, they could honestly trade for is, is Nick Vucevic. Uh, because he is on an expiring deal and the monies I think probably would match up given Fultz's salary. Um, but like it's they got like it would be they'd either do a one for one swap on like a high kind of profile, you know, expiring deal or something like that. I could see something like that going on. Other than that, it's like the deals are just like it's just so unprecedented because you don't know what's really going on with this guy. It's not like trading other like, you know, first round picks or, or you know, top three picks in the past who usually get like two or three hauls on them, even after, you know, their first team has realized that they're not going to. Uh, amount to anything but it's just like i i don't i don't know i kind of am on the side with matt where i don't think he's going to be anything where he's near in college i think um i honestly think it's nerve damage i don't think it's a yips i don't think it's a regular shoulder or wrist injury or anything like that i think he's got like some severe nerve degeneration going on here um and i i mean i don't know anything but that's just kind of based off the reading that i've done and uh yeah i i I don't think, like, right now, I think his price might actually still be too high for the Knicks to give anything away. I agree. And I think, to the Vucevic point, it paints a good picture, because Vucevic is too good to trade for Fultz right up. I mean, he's been, right. he could be an all-star this year. You know, he, he's been right. absolutely fantastic. Courtney Lee is too bad to trade straight up for Mark Fultz. So, it might be somewhere in between, I'm completely enamored with what his trade value is. And when that comes to fruition, because you have to believe, there are certain situations around the where he could make sense where there are teams that could be just completely out of it or just think that he could maybe be a good fit there. You know, people have talked about Phoenix. People talk about the Knicks because they're bad. There's some other situations out there. Orlando has always needed a point guard. Their point guard is DJ Augustine. Yeah, that kind of makes sense to me, honestly. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just don't don't be throwing these Courtney Lee for Markel Fultz rumors out here and telling me that they're realistic. Just don't be doing that, okay? That's all I ask. Let's be realistic about these things. If anything is going to happen, it's going to have to be more than that. That That's all I wanted to say about it. And I don't think it's something that the Knicks should actively be like pushing, knocking down the door for. But if a deal makes sense, they could make worse moves. It would be along with the strategy that they've gone with for the past year where they sign these old lottery picks and see if some of them don't pan out. It just feels like it would just be such a, a Knicks thing if he just came and was just, just nothing and they, they ended up giving up like some – some pick for it, but I don't think this regime would do that at the end of the day. So let's say just, just because I just threw it into the trade machine and works and everything. You think it might, it might end up being like Fultz in the first for Vucevic. I, I mean like that kind of a trade makes sense to me, but I just don't know why Philly would do that. Like where does Vucevic fit? Because he's also had the ball in his hands a lot and he's become a much better off ball player, but with Butler and Embiid and Simmons there. I just I don't think he makes a lot of sense. I mean, there. I'm not I'm not looking at him as a starter by any means, but but he is like he's a really good basketball player. He deserves to be a starter. So I, I don't I don't think Orlando would would necessarily do that either. I don't know that that deal doesn't make a ton of sense in my mind. But yeah. anyways, neither here nor there. there. But yeah, did um, you, this is a Knicks pod, right? Yeah. <laughs> so did you see? Did, did you see the? Um, the Cantor Vucevic stat comparison from yesterday. 
What do they have very similar numbers? Oh, oh, do they? I don't. Oh, think, no, gosh, never mind. Are they that never mind. similar? Never mind. I think Boucher has just scored a lot more. It was. I think Drummond. he's averaging. It was like Drummond. 20. Was Drummond, Drummond. Drummond. Okay. Oh. <laughs> almost, almost identical per 100 percent uh, per 100 possessions. And what were your feelings on that? I thought I just thought it was funny. Okay. I'm much more happy we have Cantor than uh, than Drummond. I know that much. On their contracts, yes. I, oh, yeah. I like Drummond's a much better basketball player than Ennis Cantor is. But can, production wise, I'm taking I'm taking Cantor at the price. <laughs> I could say because Drummond actually plays defense, and you can run sets with him that make sense that aren't just him pounding the ball and then chucking up a hook shot. There's things Cantor does much better than Andre Drummond, but like I'd, I'd much rather have Drummond as a pure basketball player. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I, I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was just pulling your leg. You just trying to troll me. You just wanted me to have that conversation with myself and then have it just be like, okay, we all know that you're right. Just, just shut the hell up. All right. Uh, let, let's parlay this into a conversation before we get out of here, just in general, about the status of the Knicks, which I feel like we always have to check in on because with this team, the constant debate is should they be winning, should they be losing. As of the last two games, we know that this is going to be one of the, at worst, three worst teams at best, quote-unquote, however way you want to spin this, six to seven teams in the NBA. We talked about the lottery ads at length, but they don't need to do that again. I want to talk more about... Fizdale's decisions, specifically what he decided to do tonight. I think that he had a bad night, and I've had plenty of problems with his rotations. And I think that we want to talk about the idea that the Knicks are allotting minutes to guys that aren't going to be around next year. So we had talked about the nice play of Moutier. We had the great game from Trey Burke. We've seen good stuff from Noah Vonley. These guys are all free agents at the end of the year. And if the Knicks want to get a marquee free agent like a Kevin Durant, they're going to need to renounce their cap holds on these guys. So they're left in a precarious position. What makes the most sense, if you're a Knicks fan, you're sitting here and you're saying, I want Emmanuel Moutier and Trey Burke to play as well as they possibly can so that the Knicks can deal them at the trade deadline and recoup some assets for them and potentially use those assets in the future. How realistic it is to get those guys in a trade, I don't know because I don't know that teams are ever going to be really excited to get a Trey Burke or a Moutier on their team. But you want them to play well, so you leave that option open. So I think that there's been a bit of a tug of war, because there's the people that are saying, well, Mitchell Robinson played 17, Frank played 14, Knox played 23. They aren't getting enough opportunities at the expense of some guys that aren't going to be around next year. But then there's the other side of that token, where we want these guys to play because we want them to be traded. So if the Knicks are losing however they decide to dole out is fine so let me just check in how you guys are feeling on everything what you hope becomes of these guys that aren't going to be here next year because in all likelihood they aren't i think i'd really like to see von Le back next year i said that on monday's podcast but with the other guys they're clearly not going to be around they're not the kind of guys the knicks should be giving any sort of serious money to so corbin let's start with you outlook on that side of this whole perspective as we get into the 23rd game of the season? Um, I think accountability matters. Um, I, th- I think that you can't just give Mitchell Robinson, you know, 30 minutes every night. Uh, I mean, he won't even let you some nights, but, oh, you know, it, it, it's like, like he's clear, like these guys clearly aren't ready for huge minutes yet. I think that they should be playing in the range of somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes a game because I think that gives them enough time to be able to have a couple of stretches out there on the floor. Um, but I also do know that when a player is going to have a bad game, then, like, you know, they, they should sit on the bench for a little bit. They should get a little bit less minutes. The guys who are thriving should be should be playing a little bit more, and they definitely should have that, you know, there, there definitely should be that mentality in the locker room. Now, I think when it comes down to actually getting to the rotations, it's a case-by-case basis. You know, it makes sense to start Cantor over Mitchell Robinson. Like, that, that part is fine with me. I don't know if it really makes much sense to be starting, you know, Moutier over Frank, you know, given the last couple of games. You know, I don't know if it really makes sense to get for Trey Burke to be getting as much spin in the rotation or even Hazonia to be starting games like this. You know, Vonley I'd like to hold on to as well. I agree with that. But there are players who, you know, like who just aren't getting the minutes that they deserve. 
I, I, I think if anything, the minutes on this team should be more or less pretty evenly aligned. You let you know you roll out your starters or your veterans for a couple more minutes a game, but there's no reason why these other guys should be getting less than twenty. Kyle, what do you think about all this? I like in a perfect world they would end up trading a couple of these guys. Like in mm-hmm. a perfect world, Moody would play pretty well, Burke would keep playing pretty well, and then we'd be able to flip them for something. I, I don't know what, but something is the hope. You that that's always what we think is an optimal scenario for the future outlook of the franchise, but I just don't get the feeling that that's what they're going to do like in full. You know, I feel like if they're going to try to trade anybody, they're just going to try to get Lee out of town and then that's going to be it. Just the the way that they utilize Burke and Moutier and, and the way that they've just kind of pushed Frank aside at different points to, to put him on the wing and uh, just leave him on the bench. I, I don't know that they, I, I guess, have the faith or even the interest rather to develop Frank that way is kind of what it looks like. Um, and even some of the, we saw Clarence Gaines tweeting about it tonight too. Um, just kind of mentioning how he needs to be utilized a certain way. And he hasn't been utilized in those ways. And it kind of alludes to him when they, when they drafted Frank, they probably had a, uh, an exact way that they wanted to use him or that they envisioned him panning out. And um, we don't see any of that with um, the way this regime is handling him right now. so I tend to agree on the part. I think as much as we'd like them to trade those guys, I, I think it's probably unlikely that they do just because they've talked so much about these reclamation projects and what they're going to bring to the table. I wonder if that's something they would actually pursue, which they should. But I also don't think that the rest of the league like sees the value yet. I 100% agree with that. You he, know, he no, no one's trained for Moutier after you know he played three decent games. Everyone's kind no. of aware that Trey Burke is going to be super up and down like this. Like, you know, it, 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 there's honestly, I think most of these guys are just going to end up walking. I don't see much value. I mostly agree. And only Va- only Vonley, to be quite honest with you. If there was a Vonley, guy that they were going to yeah. sell yeah. high on, it would be Vonley. Yes, yeah. this, this is true. Maybe Cantor. Like, maybe they can pull off a Cantor move, but I doubt it. The money. The money makes it know, hard. I know. I know. His contract makes it tough. But, yeah, with Vonley, I think even if the Knicks aren't able to retain Vonley, I think that he could pretty easily – he'll be able to get another deal elsewhere, which considering he was one of the last free agents they signed is good for him and a testament to to what he's been able to accomplish this year. But it's just – it's a strange year to watch this team because of that factor, that we have these young guys and it's the constant debate of, well, should we just be handing them minutes, see what they can provide, or should we make sure that they're kind of – slowed into it that they're able to have a clear mind able to go into every game knowing that they're not relied on as some number one option that they can kind of play within the flow of the game especially at the guard position it's it's a strange kind of year just to watch and i think that's why it's been a delight to see some of the other guys like trier and, and play pretty well when they've been given an opportunity because those guys are going to stick around dotson you never know there was a report earlier in the week about him being a potential trade target for some teams i, I think that was complete bs I don't think that that's going to come to fruition at all. I, I don't see why the Knicks would like trade that, him at this stage. Yeah, that was more of a result of him not playing, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, but. yeah. No, it felt like that, too. It felt like the agent was like, you know, uh, teams are wanting to trade for this guy just because he had three DNPs in a row. But the dynamic is just very strange, and I think the Knicks have their work cut out for them. I would also tend to bet, like, if you're going to put odds on this, I think the favorite would be that a lot of these guys end up playing this year, and then they walk. The doomsday scenario for a lot of people, which I think it's valid to have concerns about what the Knicks will do because everyone's a fan of the Knicks that knows they have done many a dumb thing in the past, is that they look at some of these guys and if they develop well, like let's say Moutier or Burke has a really great you know, 50 games to end the year, and they look at them and they're like, oh, maybe this guy could be a real contributor to this team. Let's give him a deal. That's a nightmare scenario for people and a nightmare scenario for, I, I think, us here too. I just don't. There's nothing at this point that leads us to believe that the Knicks current regime would do that. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide to do if they strike out on KD and some of the other big free agents end up either resigning or going elsewhere. What they decide to do with all the cap space that they have with the current guys on the roster and how they decide to really approach their cap sheet if these big guys aren't going to come play in New York. Well, I mean, they'll probably just end up going after Vucevic then. They'll, they will go after someone, but they don't necessarily have to spend the money. They can kind of 
they can kind of play in the middle areas and, and kind of roll this stuff over. It's just, it's going to be, I'm curious to see how that goes down. Nah. Um, Nick Vucevic, uh, Amare 2.0. I'm in on it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys have anything else from tonight you want to talk about before we get out of here? Oh man. I just don't want it to end. I know we could just go forever. I know we wish man, but you can't, you got a job to do. Yeah. We just record like a, a 48 hour podcast. I'll just roll <laughs> right into my first day of work. <laughs> record it on the train. We'll get going. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kyle, what do you got to plug? Uh, just make sure you guys give this a five-star review. Uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, make sure you do that and you're subscribed. We appreciate that. It helps us keep doing what we can do here. Um, I think all the sales ended for T public, but make sure you check out the T public store, the, the next wall store on T public, just all our classics that you guys know about already. Holiday season's coming up. We have the, uh, Mary Kristaps shirts available. Um, just outfit your father, just, outfit your mother, yep. outfit your siblings, outfit your children. These are these gifts are flying off the shelves. Yeah, just a, a lot of good products. And they're, everybody, we're all Knicks fans here. You know all the Knicks fans. You got gifts to give. Just, you know, do it with TKW. Um, you can get your baby a, like a, a Shirzy onesie. You actually, I think somebody did order that, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, um, that's a great pair. But uh, that's really about it, man. Uh, uh, just, you know, good. Uh, we had a good run. Yes. I, it's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Like oh, I said, I, I'm sure this. we'll talk soon. Whenever I have an opportunity to come back, I will be back because I'm going to go crazy not being able to spew nonsense about the Knicks twice a week, uh, especially when they're, they're playing like this. So once again, I want to thank everyone out there for listening. Um, it's been great. It's been an absolute blast and I appreciate being given an opportunity to talk about the Knicks and have everyone listen. So shouts to all of you guys. Shouts to Kyle and Anthony. Shouts to the entire Knicks ball staff and, and everyone else. So I'm welling up, man. I'm welling up. With that being said, I will see you guys later. All right. Take care, Take buddy. Easy.